Hello, and welcome to Entangled, the podcast where we explore the science of consciousness, the true nature of reality, and what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid, and today I'm joined by my friend, Catman Yu. In this episode, Catman discusses how he first became interested in the supernatural, including his interest in Sasquatch and ETs, his exploration of metaphysics, and how this journey led him to discovering his identity. We then discuss how he cultivates psychic abilities and his work with channeling and energy healing. From there, we discuss the concept of telepathy and how Catman built a relationship with his spirit guides. We next discuss ancestral trauma and how it manifested as a goblin entity in Catman's life. Catman describes his ongoing healing journey with his father and the learnings he took from his Wachuma and Sacred Toad experience. Catman explains his process of surrender, of letting go, and of recognizing that you're always home. We next dive into pre-Diluvian civilization and discuss the Anunnaki. From there, we speculate on the present-day interspecies situation on Earth and consider whether we're trapped in a projection involving reptilian beings. We end the conversation discussing the process of reawakening to source consciousness. This outro is titled Forgiveness, Reawakening, and Source Consciousness. Outro is available for this and all episodes at entangledpodcast.substack.com. Music from the show available on the Spotify playlist, Entangled the Vibes. Please enjoy. So good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Entangled. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my friend, Catman Yu. Cat, how are you today? I am doing great. Jordan, thank you so much for inviting me. You are such a charmer. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really fun how we got, got to meet each other at that Ancient Civilizations Conference. We'd love to talk about that. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, before we get into all of that, would love to just, uh, if you could tell the listeners, you know, where did you grow up and, and where are you now? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I grew up in a small town, a wee town in Iowa, and it's actually where I'm back again. It's a full circle story, but I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and I was always fascinated as a child about Sasquatch and, you know, just basically metaphysics, Wicca and extraterrestrials. And so that was always just a key part of my fascination with like that stuff was more interesting than the other stuff right than everyday stuff i just didn't I, and i was awkward i didn't fit in talk about awkward that was my good moment to say that yeah like i've always been just that awkward person and so i think that uh, that was part of my wounding growing up was this whole thing of i i don't fit in i don't belong and now here i've come full circle which is part of the dmt experience i had with toad medicine it's just been this ongoing last six months of like radical healing in my life. And um, now I'm coming back into the family setting, this place where I felt rejected and I didn't feel like I fit in. And, you know, this, all of these narratives. And now I'm coming in with this intention of just anchoring love into the core of our family and into the family dynamic by just being present and just, you know, just being real. So it's been quite a journey. And yeah, it's a third eye salon, my, my podcast, the primary podcast I have came out of that fascination as well. Like I couldn't give that up. And it's one of those things where it was like, I watch these shows. I hear these people tell their stories. I want to be the one to ask the questions. Like I want to ask this, like I'll post this question, but the, the person who's presenting the show, sure, they're going to see it and they're going to respond to it. But no one's going to actually, that person, I'm not going to be able to get to talk to them unless I make the effort, stand up, take up space, get my foot and feet in the water and start to connect with people. So 
that evolved from there and it's just been it's been amazing it's been an amazing journey it's been really challenging it's been really intense and i'm not glamorizing it at all it's been very challenging at times but it's been it's my journey and i'm grateful for it so that's awesome and you know it's cool hearing your story about why you decided to start third eye salon that was certainly a big part of my reason for starting entangled after my spiritual awakening right like Obviously, well, you know, I had a lot of reasons for doing it, but one of the ones for sure selfishly was just, it gets you in front of folks that you want to ask a bunch of questions to that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's just phenomenal. Like there are people, I have their phone number in my cell phone. Like I have Brad Olson's phone number in my cell phone. You know, like I can email Mary Rodwell and I'll hear back from her in the same day. Like, you know, like that sort of thing where it's like, oh my God, like you people are so, I have so much respect for you and for you to honor me back and just treat me like a peer. It's such a gift. And you, it's like you finally find your real community. And again, the only way you can do that is by stepping up and taking all of your space because people can't find you if you don't take up all of your space. And podcasting is a great way of doing that. Yeah. And it's really important too. I mean, you think about how metaphysics and these types of, you know, fringe quote unquote parts of society have been relegated to the fringes because the mainstream media and the mainstream body of science says this is all nonsense, right? And so vehicles like podcasting and like blogging and Substack and that kind of thing, they're really helping to democratize information and knowledge. And people can say, hey, wait a minute, there's something to all this. My feeling and my psychic knowing in this is that podcasting and this thing of creating your extreme narrative of what you're working on, what you're doing, becomes a future template. And I can feel this and I can see it. And so it's like it becomes a more of a norm where people are really going to start generating worth and value by what they're doing as opposed to what they've been given to do. And I think it's like this whole taking back how we as a collective are wanting to do society versus what we've been given, which is obviously riddled with holes intentionally. So that way when it collapses, it crushes the last bit of juice out of the people it's been oppressing the entire time. Like that's how I see it. Maybe that's a little dark, but you know, there's some good people out there who are really fighting the fight. And I'm not saying this is black and white. It's there's a whole bunch of color, big grayscale, but let's see what's happening. Like the homeless population is huge. And we are saying, that's okay. We're just going to pretend that it's 2018 and everything's fine. Like, are you kidding me? So those of us who aren't doing that are going to be taking up our space, taking up our voice and finding our place in the community. So that way, when Shizzle goes down, we have each other to connect with and we can shift with each other. And we are founding that new primal and primary community heart to heart. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. So I'd be curious, as you were talking about growing up in a rural town in Iowa, do you remember what was your first foray into the world of metaphysics? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. So, well, like my first curiosity was when I was probably about five or six years old and I wanted this the neighbor boy who didn't like me, who was mean to me. I wanted to just put a spell on him so he'd be nice to me. <laughs> I was like, mom, is there, how can I like, I was like looking in the encyclopedia for about witchcraft. You know, I'm like, my mom's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And so, so, but then when I was probably about 12, I actually started opening up my psychic, psychic abilities. There was a, this book called psychic. I think it was just called something really basic, like psychic ESP something like that. 
And, and it went through and it gave you these exercises, these meditations to do. And all of a sudden I was starting to, and so I was, you know, I was just, you know, I'm very open. I'm not, don't have all this like programming that says I can't do this. Right. So I do these exercises and I start to hear auditorily. I hear voices around me. I start to have premonitions of things that are going to happen right before they happen. And it's like, the, um, oh, I can feel my energy around me open up as my guides <laughs> circle around me remembering this. But uh, so it was just this like initiation about, you know, like, oh, there's this other world and I have access to it. You know, I couldn't, I wasn't seeing things, but it was, I was auditory and premonition and, you know, things like this and dreams and things like this. So, and then of course I talked to my minister, I was told it was, you know, demonic and I shut it all down. So it was one of those things where then eventually, like years later, I, after I graduated high school, I went to a Christian college and then had a total personality implosion of who am I? I believe in Christianity because I was told it was true. I think Jesus is real because I was told, you know, I guess like, is Jesus real? Have I had personal experiences with Jesus? Well, I think I have like this whole pulling apart of like what my identity is. Like at the age of 19, you know, and just having implosion and figuring out that I really am metaphysical. I love Sasquatch. I love flying saucers. I am fascinated by extraterrestrials and, you know, the law of attraction and things like that. You know, I started going to Unity Church and I started kind of taking back that part of my psyche and saying yes to it again. Yeah. Wow. Well, tell me what, what's going on with Sasquatch. So with me, I actually have, I have two Sasquatch. I haven't talked to them since I've been here in Iowa, but they show up energetically. Just so people know, I'm a, I call myself a celestial medium. So I, I'm able to pick up the energies of not just guides and people who've passed over, which is great. I, it's less people have passed over and more of people's angelic aspects and their celestial aspects. And so at night, I'll have my kind of this meeting where I'll connect with my guides and my primary guide and see who wants to come forward and what are we working on? What's the, you know, what's the plan right now for this or for that? And I had this one younger Sasquatch that came in and he was, he seemed to be like, I was his project and we had a really nice rapport and he was, you know, it was like a really funny rapport. And then, and from him, it was like, he knew somebody and this other guy came in and who was just like, what is going on here? Cause he had never, he hadn't, you know, seeing this thing of like the, of what I was doing, it was just very odd because it's this mismatch of like angelics and extraterrestrials and, you know, my, my team and my guide. And so he was just fascinated and he's just become an absolute sweetheart. And we have a lot of cute and funny stories about him, but I don't want to like indulge in all that, but it's just like the Sasquatch heart. I'll just talk, I'll talk about that because it's a bit more general. It's, I mean, again, we're all aspects of source so, you know, the Sasquatch that are awake and aware, living with this intent of, you know, knowing that humans are running amok, but that we're not, they have compassion still, or they have tolerance, or they have, there's a bit more of a willingness to have community, because there's a lot of people who have direct Sasquatch guides and have contact. And so there's this whole realm of that happens. And then there's other Sasquatch who want to have nothing to do with us. And there's others who would be aggressive if we came into their space because humans are, you know, also they're reading our energy. Like if they're, if you're, they're incredibly empathic, they're incredibly psychic and if they can sense your energy. If you're like a hunter who's just like, I don't know, has no respect for, I don't know. I don't want to say, I'm not trying to diss on hunters, I'm not dissing on anybody, but if they don't like your energy, you're going to know it. So if they feel like you're invading their space, you're going to know it. 
And if you're an ally, they have they have the biggest, warmest hearts, and they're just so dear. Do you think that they're like a species of being that's been here for some time, or do you think they're like mm. an extraterrestrial species? Yeah, my when I connect into them, they show up as like a primordial energy, and they came. There's actually something in the Bible that goes back with one of our guests, Paul Wallace, Paul Anthony Wallace, who's just amazing. He's somebody who I'd really want to get on your show. There's a part in the Bible, and also Jack Carey, a researcher, talks about this, where it's like there's the two brothers, and one's covered. It's a biblical. I can't remember this because I'm not. It's Old Testament. But one's covered in hair, and one looks like us. And one tricks the other one out of the other one's rights. And so it's basically it's like Abraham. It's like the sons of Abraham, the two sons of Abraham. One's like hairy, and one's looks like us. And so it's, and so what I think that my, my, when I tune into them and I talk to them, they are like a primordial species that shows up on three density planets and fourth density planets again and again, because they are earth. They're like, they're such core expressions of earth and guardians of earth. It's like their primary function is guardianship and they have, they're not unique to this planet. And so it's like, we have to understand that there's this huge, there's this huge star nation community that's been here long before our awareness of them that has had projects going on long before we knew. And we are now waking up and are, we're ready to start to participate in that consciously. But like project Gaia is so, it's so vast. It's so big. We're a blip. And so we have to pull back and stop saying, oh, I believe that. I don't believe that. And making these snap decisions and really start to have a relationship with your curiosity and with what's out there, because you're going to find out that the entire universe is, it's so surprising and it wants you, it wants to engage you. It wants to engage you, wants to make you laugh and, and confuse you so that you'll wake up a little bit more and take up more of your power and more of your space. Like there's a relationship that's waiting to happen. Totally. Wow. So well said. I love that. So have you, as you explored your psychic and empath abilities, like, have you found good ways to cultivate that? Surrender. (laughs) I think that that's been my primary call in this last six months where I've finally just agreed to be all of me. And it sounds wonderful. Like, I'm going to be all myself. I'm happy now. It's like, well, you're going to have to also surrender all of your fears, all of the things that aren't you. If you're going to be all of the things that are, you have to let go of all of the things that aren't you. And that's where all the fear shows up and the ego and all that. So in terms of developing ability, I would say that watch out for what your natural abilities are and your natural inclinations. And I would say be open to exploration, but be mindful with it and who you're exploring with because energy is energy, intention is intention. And you want to make sure that when you are doing this work that you're not just saying, okay, I want to connect with somebody. (laughs) You know, like, oh, that's a really huge invitation. There's lots of somebodies out there. So I use phraseology like, you know, I'm, this is for my highest good, whatever is in my highest good, that which is connected to Christ consciousness, that which is, you know, universal love that comes directly from source energy, all of these things that are like core. I'm very specific in the frequency that I want to connect with because I don't have time. I don't have time for like, why would I want to mess with this silly stuff? Like I'm here to, you know, support the planet. I don't want to fuss around. It's not just about my ego. It's about why, you know, we're here as a species to evolve and ascend forward. Yep. That makes total sense. 
And so then you, know, you talk in, on your on your website about channeling and doing energy healing. How did you learn how to do those as well? Yeah. So I think, again, there's this, there's a natural inclination for these things. And I want people to kind of think of themselves in this scenario, excuse me, as the mystical and the metaphysical oftentimes is trying to Im- pierce the veil in our lives and grab our consciousness. So there's certain things that will happen in your life and it kind of give you a key and a clue to who you are and how you operate. And so, you know, my, my process of learning how to channel came from doing it in, you know, fits and starts all through my twenties and thirties. And then finally, and well, also, you know, like I'm 55 now. And so like all of those times, like running up and running away and trying it, you know, like kind of dancing with it, but never owning it. And, and that was through writing. Um, and sometimes it would just be verbal because if I'm in a loving space, you know, and I'm connected to love and love wants to say something, I can just kind of say something and people are like, oh, that was so eloquent. I'm like, oh, I, what did I say? You know, like one of those things where it's like it, it comes through and you're like, yeah, it was eloquent. That was a channeled moment, right? So there's these precursors and then let's say this is who you are and this is what you do. And also with cannabis, cannabis has definitely been an ally in allowing me to explore the outer limits of my psychic abilities and, and my connection to source, honestly. Like, again, it's a relationship because whatever you're having a relationship with, in October of 2022, that was when everything really changed and my guidance became this urgency to stop stalling, step up, take, all of, take up all of your space now. You, you had a bad fall. The year before was a disaster. Things imploded. It's time to, to stop being in that and move forward and, and go forward into your life. And so, again, with cannabis and being able to smoke cannabis out in nature, especially, you know, in Colorado, you're going out to, to nature, I would be able to smoke and I would be able to connect and the guidance would come through much more clearly. And with the guidance came, you know, this communication. Oh, also a huge piece of this back in October of 2022 was we had a guest. Actually, this is the precursor. We had a guest named Mariah Wheatley on Third Eye Salon, and she is a dowsing master, and she's just a goddess in general, an absolutely amazing woman from the UK. And so I was like, oh, well, she's a dowser, so I've got to get myself some dowsing rods. And I worked with pendulums before to, use, to try to get answers to questions, but it was always very muddled. It wasn't very effective. But I'm like, okay, we have a guest, so I'm going to break out the $12 you know, on Amazon and buy myself some copper rods finally. And so with these copper rods, this was the transition point where I was able to start asking questions and yeses are in and nos are out. And it, would be, it was very simple. It was a very simple process where I, would, I could just go out into nature and I could find vortexes with it and I could have conversations with my guides. And if they'd say yes, on, if the energy was like, yes, this is good for you, it was in. If it was like, no, that's not right for you, it was out. Similarly, like when like positive energy is spinning in, like if I'm receiving positive energy, if I'm in a negative vortex and I'm releasing old energy, it's spinning out. So with these rods, I got to learn how to work with energy while I'm like, you know, working with cannabis and working with meditation and working with breath work, doing this combination of like deep, serious psychic and spiritual massaging. And then, I mean, there's a, it's a big, long story, so I won't get into all of that, but I've had experiences with, you know, a lot of celestial beings. I've had experiences with extraterrestrial, with the fey realm. And it's just been, it's one of those things where for a while I was like, 
<laughs> I, I would say to them, I think I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I, I would say to my guides, I think I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. And they'd say, yes, you are losing your mind. And I'd say, I am losing my mind. That's not like, you don't want to hear that, right? Like, that's just not, that's like, and they were like, yeah, you're losing your mind. So you can get a new one because you can't go forward into the person that you are going to be holding onto the person that you were. It's like Dr. Joe Dispenza stuff. You have to have that divine imprint awake and alive in yourself. Yeah, no, I think that's so, so great. And, you know, when you think about losing your mind and we talk about this idea of 3D to 5D evolution of consciousness, I mean, that very literally is what's happening, right? You're completely reconceptualizing what the concept of mind is in that it is everything. <laughs> and that's exactly it because it's all source. It's all consciousness and they're all aspects. Like, yes, there is a, a, a hierarchy in that some beings are obviously more advanced and some beings are having, you know, like in terms of how, where sure. the orders come from, how they're coming down. Density and vibrational. Yes. Frequency. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all accessible. You can talk to them. You can talk to source. You, you know, now source isn't going to show itself up in your space and, kill you because if it's oneness is going to be oneness and you know what I mean? Like it's not going to do that, but you can psychically talk to it. You can connect with that. You can have, you know, archangels pop into your physical space and feel their energy in your space. They're accessible. They're available. And that was the, my thing. Like, you know how I was saying earlier on, like feeling so abandoned and so isolated that I wasn't, I didn't fit in. And that was a relationship with, you know, God as well. I grew up in a very, you know, shaming religion that said, you know, God loves this and not, you know, and because I was, you know, I was a young gay man and all of this stuff about guilt and shame and identity and all that. So, yeah. And so then like, lo and behold, it's like all of this I, misunderstanding about who I am, what I am, how life works, my relationship with my father, my, like my father didn't know how to love me the way I needed to be loved, but he loved me. And he loves me now, you know, and to finally be able to say he's did the best he could. And there's no reason to have anything else other than compassion and forgiveness at this juncture and finally get there for real. Like not just say the words and, and do the work and be like, okay, I'll just let it go. That's why I had done. I was like, I'll let it go. And I forgot. I didn't actually forgive, but I forgot. And I thought I had forgiven. And it's like all of this deep healing and my psychic awakening and my connection with my celestial family is tied in with, you know, the healing of my father. It's all part of one thing. It's not separate. Our awakening impacts everything because we're connected to everything. Yeah. Awesome. Would you give me one second? I just heard something beep. I want to make sure my phone isn't open. So as you were talking about this idea of tuning in to different frequencies, right? I mean, this is something I've been thinking about a lot and, you know, in the materialist paradigm, we tend to think of like humans as this body, mind kind of in this form. But I've been thinking it's le it's more like just vibrational forms of consciousness, right? And so when you talk about like tuning into other frequencies and, and, con and connecting and channeling, like what do you think is actually happening in that process? That's a great question. So it's for me, this is what it's actually called telepathy. And I thought I had invented the word telepathy. And it, I didn't. Our guest last, just last week, and another amazing Brit guy, Stephen Needler, who can go talk to Source whenever he wants, like he, or beyond Source. He talks to Origin, who goes beyond our Source. Like 
amazing man and, and just like every day as well like so approachable i forgot what your question was i got so wrapped up in guys steven needler what was the question again yeah oh, no. okay so this is it i get you so when i started working with the rods it was my tool to be able to use my natural ability and to be able to focus my natural empathic ability like as an empath I think we're all, most of us are empathic, unless you're a sociopath and you may not be, or you may be so empathic that you feel everything and that, but, but long story short, I'm very empathic. And so, you know, feeling people's energies and also being psychic, you know, being tuned in to frequencies and you know, having clear cognizance and, you know, other, yeah, just some clairvoyance as well. Using the rods, I was able to say, okay, I, who, I'm going to talk to my higher self. Am I talking to my higher self? Yes. All right. Is this Christed in my highest good to do this? Yes. And so then it was a matter of being able to feel what they were saying. And it went from yes and no answers to being able to understand that I was in fact feeling and hearing what they were saying to me. And then they could confirm it through the rods. And now the rods can just like spin like helicopters when the energy is flow, you know, flowing. And yeah, and it's that thing of like learning. It's like a muscle that's atrophied within us, but we all have it. And so, you know, the rods were, are my guides, you know, they're my, how do you say it? Like they're my safety rails, I guess, to make sure that I'm not, especially if I'm up in my head and I'm being very mental and I, I need to calm down, I can use the rods to calm down and then listen and I can make sure that I'm not getting in the way and projecting something because I have the rods to confirm, you know, through my attunement with my guides. And it just becomes this way of them to be able to say yes and no. But then now we can say we have full, you know, sentences coming through or we have full, you know, downloads coming through. And it, yes, it was the rods. And it was just, you know, me saying, okay, I will listen to what you tell me to do. I will follow your guidance now. Your guidance is freaking my shit. You're making me do things that I wouldn't normally do. It's forcing me to grow and trust you. And oh, now I don't trust you. Now I think, oh, who are you? Are you good? Are you bad? Oh, it's just my fear. It's my fear. I have to go through this fear wall. Like all this big journey of learning how to trust these beings who love me unconditionally. And when I'm working with clients and I feel their guides coming through and they're love, the unconditional support, the excitement pouring through for that person who's in the reading, then my guides go, and you feel that for them. That's what we feel for you. And you know that's true. So stop pretending like we don't have your best interests at heart at all times. We might challenge you. You might not like it, but you know we're taking you where you truly want to go, and you have to go through your fears in order to get there. Wow. Wow, that's wild. How, when you say guides, like, how did you get to know your guides? How did you build a relationship with them? Like, what does that interaction feel like to you when you're communicating with them? So it, it was over a period of time, actually, because I mean, again, it was only six months ago, but it started off with me saying, I'm going to connect to my higher self and I'd have questions to my higher self. And then I was working with this amazing woman who's an NDE and very psychic herself, Lorelai Drach. And as I was doing a healing session with her, and I was like tuning into, because I'm psychic and she's psychic, so we're both tuning in, right? We're doing this work together. I'm tuning in. It's like, oh, you have two higher selves. Oh, you have this aspect and you have that aspect. Okay, that makes sense now. And then it evolved from there to going to understanding that I have this committee of eight with me that had been, you know, who'd shown up in my writings before when I was younger. And here they are again, like this, it's actually a council of nine because they include me in it. And so the, and it's like, there's eight of them. And with me, there's nine. So we're the celestial nine. It's, that's the name of my band. But so 
so I was communicating with them and going through all of this process. And I had one primary guide who was, I would say he was on the ascended, on the non-physical side and the 5D side, he would be my, my soul brother there. And he was my primary guide. And then it shifted to my current guide who I met after a, a goblin, a goblin encounter and being able to, with goblins, they hold, there's always a thing with power with them and you have to take back your power. And once you do that and you, and it's not a fight, it's a relationship. Once again, it's a relationship. So once you do that, then they leave, then they're able to leave and they come back as a guide or they come back in another form, maybe as a guide, maybe not. This one did and came back and now he's my primary guide. How did that goblin encounter happen? Oh my goodness. So this is, this is, I haven't talked about this before, Jordan. So let me just feel into what I'm supposed to say, because this is all like really close to my chest in terms of my personal journey. I'm going to say that we, I inherited the goblin from my family in my ancestry, from what my, my goblin friend told me, within my ancestry, there was some dark magic that was done to grab power. And in the grabbing of the power, there was a, a capturing of a goblin and a goblin energy. And that goblin, unfortunately, became tied to this lineage because of this wound, which is what is being healed now in this current lifetime. It's the first time I've ever said that. So it's very vulnerable. Yeah. Well, thank um, you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. It came through, so I just let it come through. So, yeah. And you were talking before the start of this conversation about you know how you're healing from generational trauma and, and abandonment is something that also flows through. Is it related to that, or is that also kind of you know part of the mix as well? Yeah. Well, it's it has to do in part to forfeiting love for power, and then what happens generationally is that it's not okay to feel like even so that was the thing that happened in in the wounds in the way back in the family line wherever how it shows up now is that for especially the men in the family you're not really supposed to feel you're supposed to hold your you know your emotions down and here i come along and i'm like you know big empath huggy hug and so you know my dad has no idea what to do with me i don't i do not fit the paradigm i do not fit the paradigm and now he's, you know, in a nursing home and he's going to be hopefully coming home in a couple of months and I'll be taking care of him. And now he gets to kind of really restore that relationship where like, you know, I'm going to be all kinds of compassion and, you know, it's just like we get to heal that legacy gets to be healed in this, in this time. So it's been wild. Like I, I would never have made this up. I would have never chosen this for myself. This is not the path I would have chosen for myself. I would not be, I, and it's literally because I'm saying, yes, yes, okay, yes, it's the right thing. Okay, yes, I'll do that. Yes, yes, okay, okay. And I'm surrendering that I'm on this wild ride that is so intense, it's so good, but it's so raw sometimes. But it's like, it's right, you know, and I have to say yes to it. If I'm going to preach it, I have to live it. And you have to be willing to let go of what scares you and go through it and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yep. How has that healing journey been between your father and you? Well, you know, it's early days. I mean, it's, I go and I'll see him in the, in the nursing home and you know, hang out for a little bit and watch whatever God awful show is on the TV. Sometimes it's a good show and I'm like, oh, that's nice. I get to kind of hang out because we don't have a history of like, what do I talk to him about? Like my niece can pop in. 
And she just chats with him, you know, nonstop. And I sit there and we will say something every five minutes to each other because we don't have a history of communication. So it's like, okay, that's what we're kind of establishing now. And so I'm hoping that like, as that grows and as, as it becomes less, you know, I don't know, um, I don't know if it's even awkward. It's just as we can become more familiar to each other in this new relationship, you know, that it becomes something really just warm and tender at some point. So we can just, you know, have the, have that love heal healed moment between us. And you were mentioning earlier about your sacred toad experience and how that kind of opened you up to recognize that, Hey, maybe I forgot some of this stuff, but didn't truly forgive. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about that experience was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so just to give you a little pretext, I do talk about it. I have a couple of videos on, on Third Eye Salon where my life imploded financially in the end of 2021 and my recovery within 2022. And all of that, again, when that implosion happened, it happened because of this core wound of not feeling safe on the planet. And this core wound that says it's not safe to have a body, it's not safe to be around people, you know, whatever, however that's showing up. Or sometimes I need to be around people, it's not safe to be alone because, you know, whatever, however that shows up. In my life, it was like, okay, this implosion happened because of this wound with your father that you never dealt with. Like I was, you know, I was doing the work and tuning in and being helped to tune in with a therapist to get into what this was about and why this has happened. And so it's like, this was all meant to ignite me to go into a spiritual, you know, into what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's not like a dark night of the soul type situation. Exactly. It was like, it's not safe to be anywhere. Like I can't trust my guides. I can't trust my home. What can I, like, it was just like, I just felt so raw and, and it was just, it was like the, it was like the core of that wound was finally like up in my face and bleeding, you know, and I couldn't hide from it. And it was just awful, of course, you know? And so as I'm, you know, healing, repairing, coming to terms, et cetera, there comes that, that shift point where I met you. Actually, it was where I meet you. And I was like, I, I met Brad, you know, well, I didn't meet, I had Brad Olson on the show. So I was hanging out with Brad Olson and I, and I was, you know, we were, I hung out with him the last night of the event and got to hang out with Mariah Wheatley and other grand people like Jack Carey. And so we did that. Oh, excuse me. So we were hanging out and we were able to do that. That was the moment where I was like, I'm going to go back to my regular nine to five job, not even nine to five. It's like, it was like a grocery store job, like, you know, for a health food store. And I was like, you like, cat, these are your people. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And it started this, like being a, this uncomfortable feeling of like, oh, I got to start moving. I've got to start standing up. I can't just keep repeating this trauma that I was, went through, you know? And lo and behold, we have, I have Mariah Wheatley who I meet, you know, at the place where you, I met you, have her on the show, have the rides, all the story I've already told. And so then I am, you know, hanging out. And I also love to smoke cannabis and take hot baths, like really hot baths in the dark and talk to my guides, you know, like I have like all my gemstones around me. It's just like, like <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's, <laughs> the best. it's the best. And so, but they were telling me, it's like, it's going to be time for you to do plant medicine again. And I was like, and I had done plant, plant medicine a year and a half before or something like that. And I really pulled back from it. It was with Drew Banky, and I went with Drew Banky again this time for the toad medicine. And we did a day of Wachuma, and it was really pleasant. It was really mild. I didn't have any, it was just more like a love fest. It wasn't any big hallucinogenic anything. It was more heart to heart. Well, I don't know much about Wachuma. 
Well, I've seen other people have experiences where they have big, not hallucinations, but big, like they can see their deceased loved ones. They have these big experiences on Watch Human. We didn't have that. It was just more like, I love you. I love myself. I love my life. And it was just, it just felt really good. Yeah, yeah. And so the next day we did, what is Ayahuasca Sassy Little Sister? Oh, DMT. The one that you would, you smoke it, you drink, you drink some ayahuasca just a little bit and then you smoke. smoke Yeah, DMT, right? Dimethyltryptamine? It is that, but it's from ayahuasca. She's got her own name, and I'm blanking on it. I'll get that to you later. So, so I start to. So, and I won't go into all that's on Thrice Salon. If you want to see my experience with that, you can go watch that there. But I, as it was starting to kick in, I've taken, you know, I've taken my last inhalation, and it is basically DMT, right? And I start to. Well, the room lights up for one thing. I was like, oh shit, the room is like now luminescent. And I was like, okay, you need to lay back, and you need to calm, you know, close your eyes. And I started to see all these numbers come in in colors, numbers in different colors, swirling in vortexes. It started to create a vortex that they wanted me to go into. And I felt so, oh my gosh, I wasn't ready to do it. I wasn't ready to, I wasn't ready to have the experience. And so for whatever reason, I think just because of the who, how I am, I was able to say, Nope, I'm not going to go. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I canceled the experience. Like I literally, it was like, it started to all melt. And I heard, I felt this energy go, no. Like she, she said, you ruined it. And I was like, sorry. I was like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't let myself. I had too much anxiety about like what was happening. I just, I felt out of control, right? I felt out of control. And so I closed it down. And so this time I went, and this is so funny because there's this narrative of, misconceptions of like of having a false perception of what's actually happening in this journey from me going to from lakewood to where drew banky lives in blanca where he does his work with plant medicine and so i just put that there's a little pin note to come back to i'll refer to it time and again probably so as it's time to go in to you know find drew i first of all i can't find Drew. i have all this misdirection can't find him even though i've been to his house before finally find it and I think that I, even though I knew that I signed up for Toad originally, in my mind, I changed it and I made it Cambo. And I thought I was doing the Cambo frog. And I was like, well, I know it's going to detox my body, but I'm going to have a hallucinogenic experience too. Like I created this narrative around it. And I came in and he's like, no, you're doing DMT. Like he, he said the whole thing. It's so funny you say that because when, when you had invited me, it was for combo. And I was like, I don't think I can do combo. <laughs> exactly. So, so you, yeah, you see, you're part of that story too. <laughs> That's so wild. And so I, so we get there and he's like, no, it's this. And I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have that experience. And, and again, I have to go through this fear wall, you know, this thing of like, what am I? I know this is right. You have this anxiety. You're just going to do it. You're going to, you know, you're going to lose control, whatever, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but you know, it's all the psychological stuff. And, and so Drew's like, well, you just take a list. You just take a small smoke at first to get used to it. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I take this ahead of this, you know, and I first I get to this fear wall again. I'm like, okay, finally. Uh, Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so I just do, you know, I have all the antics. And um, then I said, then I lay back and I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, that's fine. It's fine. Like it just, it felt like really clean cannabis. And then it's like, okay, so we're going to do the bigger hit. And again, oh gosh, uh, uh, this is going to be, oh, wow. You know, all that. And so then I'm like, okay, just fucking do it. Just shut up and do it. So then I do the bigger hit, you know, and it's like, 
And again, it just, for me, it just feels like really clean cannabis. And I just kind of, I go up into this open space. And so now here's the thing that Drew doesn't know, because I haven't told him this. Drew's used to working with people who are like first waking up. And I've done been woken up for a while, you know, in terms of, I mean, yes, this last six months, but you know, I've been work, working myself spiritually since I was in junior high. So like, I've already got this idea in my head that I'm going to be working with my father wound, <laughs> you know? And he's so, so as I'm going into this, I know that I, this wound is coming up and that I'm going to be grieving these emotions. And it's interesting because, you know, Drew as a, as a straight man, like he becomes a symbol of my father and it's like, oh, he doesn't understand what's going on with me, but he's loving me and supporting me. Like, it's like the same parallel. Like my father doesn't understand who I am, but he does love me and he does support me in the way that he knows how. Like he doesn't understand that I'm going through a specific thing that I've been working on for months now. He's trying to like do some patchwork on, you know, something I healed you know, years ago, right? I'm not patchwork, but not to be glib, but you know, like I'm like, but then other times he would come in and he would hit it and he would hit the things that were like dead on because it, the wound is the wound regardless of what level that you're at it with. So he could still speak to things I was going through. And so sometimes he would be, pull me out of it and other times he would help me process. But it was literally because I am a psychic empath and because I have worked with cannabis with this intention of connecting with, you know, source consciousness, it was like what I do already. It felt like what I do already, but in a way that was much bigger. Like, yes, you want to have someone there to ground you. You want to have someone there who's your emotional anchor. That's important. But it wasn't, it was familiar. You know, but it was just more of it. And I remember we walked outside at one point, and that was the thing of like standing up and finding my feet was a moment, you know. And so, but then we walk outside, and he's got this beautiful, you know, mountainscape behind his house. And I could feel the energy pouring, the, the energy vortexes that I could, you normally feel with the rods. And I would like feel that with that. I would just feel it pouring through my body. I could feel it pouring through the land. I could feel it pouring through Drew. You know, it was just like, it was like I could feel the energy and I could see that it's like you can see everything in, in, in so much that like all falsehoods fall away. That was my experience. So it's like I could see in that moment, I was like, oh my God, my dad has always loved me. Oh my God, my dad has always been there. Even though I have these specific wounds of like him being embarrassed by me in front of other people, you know, these certain moments that are like my hallmark moments that I can call point back to and say, you know, it's like, oh, he still loved you and he loves you right now. He's there for you right now. Even like his love is still there. And it was like, Oh, I created this false narrative. And I had created a false narrative about like what time to get to Drew's house. It was like a, you know, like a two hour drive, not a one hour drive. And I knew that, but I changed it in my mind. Like I kept, there's a story of me changing a reality to suit what I wanted to think was true. And I had done it with my father. It was all of this mirror work, right? It's like, we're showing you, you've done this with your father. This is a narrative that you've held onto that just isn't true. And now you don't have to act from it anymore. You're free from it. You know, and it was with that, that my goblin friend was then able to also be free as well, because I understood that my father just wanted me to be safe. You know, he just, he wanted me to be okay. As long as he knew that I was safe and okay, then he could be okay. And it was just like, there's this whole like dynamic of like male energy. It's like, okay, we're okay. I get it now. And I have to imagine too, it's like you mentioned being in, being a misfit and a bit of an outcast growing up. And, you know, I'm sure your parents just want you to fit in and have friends and feel like, you know, that's what being a successful parent means, right? 
safety. He wanted me to be safe. And being a sensitive, flamboyant little boy isn't safe. <laughs> you know, in a small town, Iowa, of 1,500 people, where meat and potatoes, you know what I mean? Like in the 70s. So it's like, and it was just that thing of then becoming that rebel of like, oh, he didn't. And I know that there was a certain point I felt into this energetically, like psychically, energetically into my emotional body that like it was even around the year of two years old, there was some sort of disconnect from him from me at the age of two years old. And, and being able to feel that and go to that and grieve that, like that's one of the things that got to happen in that DMT experience was I was able to go there and be like, you know, just not wanting to be abandoned, you know, but then to know that, yeah, at the same time, even though there was an experience of abandonment, that's not the end. That was a wound. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end. It's not the end reality. It was an experience, but it's not the reality. He still does love me, you know? And then therefore, if you can feel that your family loves you and you've stopped blocking out their love and you can feel that these people around you who are just like warm and happy and friendly, you can feel their love. Like your source, your source in a physical body. Like we are going to walk you through every fear wall you have. So that way you realize that you're okay and that you're always home. Yeah. You're always home. And that's the big lesson. And it's so fucking terrifying. And I want it to stop. It's <laughs> part of what I'm surrendering to, you know? Wow. Beautifully said, my friend. <laughs> Candid. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's amazing that the psychedelics, you know, opened up you to that new narrative to, or to rather let that old narrative go and to, you know, set new, net, set new relationships with your father while he's here and, you know, move on past, you know, the pain that's been there in the past. We talked about the conference where we met. Let's talk a little bit about ancient civilizations. Yeah, so talk to me about, I think you mentioned that Brad Olson had been a guest on your show, and then he was also one of the speakers that day at the Gaia conference. So yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about who he and how you got interested in his work. Brad Olson, I met through Barbara Jean Lindsay, who is an NDEer. And, and for folks who may not know what that, what that means. ND. Oh, a near-death experiencer, a near-death experiencer. That's the inside business lingo, <laughs> but she's amazing. I had her on a uh, on salon and I was like, who do you, you know, recommend? I've, you know, I've seen you talk to Brad Olson. He seems interesting. Would you introduce? And so we had him on the show and then I reached out to him and, and I was like, Brad, I, there's going to be this thing happening in Boulder. It's like 30 minutes from where I live. Do you know if there's any way I could you know, can I move chairs around? Can I desk? Is there any way I can get my foot in the door? I don't have this $600 or it was expensive. It was like, it was a bit pricey. And he was like, Oh, let me find out something for you. And he was like, Oh, I have extra guests spot. You're my extra guest. And it was so funny because when I met him, then finally he had forgotten about me about being on the show. He's like, how do I know you again? I was like, you were on the show, Brad. What are, who are you right now? <laughs> so it was just so funny. It was so humbling. I was like, well, of course he's a show. He does so many shows. Yeah, that's right. You know? And he's a, he's a generous guy. I was like, somebody reached out. I gave him a free ticket. Now we're hanging out. Like, I mean, it's just, he's just a cool guy. So, but yeah, he does a lot of research. He just is, a, he's a massive researcher with all everything esoteric. He's got tons of books out there. His latest book is really big and just goes deep and hard and a lot of stuff, big documentation. So if you're somebody who likes to have, Someone who does research and documentation on the esoteric and the forbidden in terms of what we're not supposed to know, then Brad Olson would be your man. 
And yeah, and then that's also where I met Jack Carey. And I didn't know who Jack Carey was. I was actually sitting next to him. I didn't know who he was. I was like, oh, he's one of the presenters. And like I recognized him that he had been sitting next to me the day before. And he's another paranormal researcher, but he's also just very paranormal himself. Like he grew up in a house that was haunted. And so he just, I can, as a psychic, I can feel he has like vortexy type of energy around him. Like he just is one of those people that's going to have experiences. And he, so he's done loads of research on Sasquatch on us. His research on Sasquatch is going to be like different than what you're going to hear from people who are Sasquatch contactees in terms of there's going to be some crossover and there's going to be some differences in terms of how he perceives things, which I love. I love the fact that things don't always, that we have differences, you know, but also other cryptids like Dogman and, oh my gosh, what was the, there were some other really wild ones, but he's just got, like, he's hunkered in on that area and he's able, and it's documented, it's stuff that he's able to go back to, oh, it was the reptilians, the reptilians, he's able, yeah, and just great. And he's got a warm heart. He's so authentic. He's so real and he's so accessible. He's a sweetheart. And then again, Mariah Wheatley, who unbeknownst to her has completely transformed my life by just being herself and uh, teaching me about how you to tune into energy with through dowsing rods. And it just, like, I mean, I had no idea it was going to open up this huge portal in my life. That's really cool. And I'll tell you, her presentation on Stonehenge blew me away. Like, I didn't know anything about Stonehenge before that. And I was like, this is so cool. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's just, I, we've had her on the show three times now because we love her. And she just gives like these natural dissertations. She's so natural at teaching. You put a topic out and she just gives, she unpacks it for you and you're captivated. You've forgotten all your questions and you've gone with her into this, you know, myriad of you know, lustrous information. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, are there any specific ideas you have about what civilization looked like before the flood? Oh, yeah. So, again, talking about Jack Carey, it was his work man, the penny dropped when he said this. He talked about the Anunnaki and the Anunnaki are predecessors actually of the human race. And they are the ones who are really tall. They have elongated heads and they have round bellies. So that's the Anunnaki race that came to earth and did the hybridization projects and created what we have now as the human race. And so it's one of those things where I didn't care about that stuff before. I was like, who are the Anunnaki? I was like, oh, it means people from space. I was like, that's everybody. Who cares? I was like, whatever. But like, once I understood like the Anunnaki were from the planet Rubu, which is now the asteroid belt that we have in our solar system, like that was a civilization that was having its own little war with somebody. They lost the war. The ones of their population that were still on the planet were the ones that survived. And we were their, we were their progeny. We are their kin because it's all about genetics. It's all about, um, like, you, when you see these ancient sites and they have got the flower of life, they've got these ancient codes that just are the basics of all genetic principles, of not genetic, but ge- geometric principles. And you understand geometry is a language, geometry is a frequency, geometry, you know. And then you're like, oh, they knew how to manipulate all of these things. And then something happened where now we are, you know, these idiots who are just doing the best to try to annihilate each other, finally waking up and deciding that we're going to do something different, you know? 
So do you think the Anunnaki are the same beings that, you know, show up in the Sumerian cuneiforms, like the Enlil Anki type character? Yes. Okay. Yes. One and the same. They're exactly Got one it. and the same. And then, you know, Jack, Jack Harry's presentation was great as well. And yeah, and he, I mean, he ended it basically with, I'm trying to remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was essentially that, you know, his view is that a lot of these sacred sites and what remains of them were left by either the Anunnaki or some other being to, to warn us of a time when we would be enslaved by a more lower vibrational being race. Right. And, you know, it's a tough thing to bring that topic up and, but you know, it, it comes back to these like Gnostic ideas of archons and, you know, what is really going on in our reality today. So I guess I would ask you with all that laid out, I mean, what do you think is the, interspecies situation on planet earth in present day i think it's so much more wide and varied than we even understand i think it's like our you know it's like we are like horses with blinders on going down the street and we don't see all of this vastness around us the star nations are vast and there were ones who are entirely physical you know in terms of like we have the pleiadians and we have the other ones who are like more higher frequency or dimensional or however you want to explain that but they're not necessarily physically 3D. There wouldn't be our density. And there are other people, who, other beings who are our density. And there are beings who are here, who have been here for a long time. And actually, Jack Carey talks about this in my talk with him as well. Um, and this is on my Cat Menu channel, Adventures to the Multiverse with Cat Menu on Rumble. But he talks about the gold and the emerald, the, the emerald tablets, and how the emerald tablets, which were written by, it's not Hermes, is it Hermes? Thoth, yes, yes, Toth, or Thoth or Toth, yes, yes, that, yes, ancient Egyptian, yes. And he, Thoth talks about the reptilians, and there's awareness of them at that time. And so, yeah, because they talk about how they're able to, with, they're able to hold an image of mankind and ascend to higher spaces and only frequency, but the image, the false vision or the false image can only can be disrupted through frequency or sound like it's in the emerald tablets so i mean exactly all these pieces are coming together and i'm like wow this is important because it's still happening today we're still in that system we're still in that same system today and it's starting to shift and crack but that's why it's these podcasts and these conversations are so important yeah we're not doing it alone we're doing it as a collective yeah, I totally agree. It's so important. And it's interesting the way you frame it because, you know, I had a, after my trip to Egypt, I had a really powerful experience on psilocybin with some entities and they were just, they were showing me like, it felt like the experiences I've heard about, like at the Oracle of Delphi, right? Where it's like, it feel, felt like prophecy, like that is what it felt like. And they were showing me this future of reality, this golden age of humanity. And it was like, it was so unbelievably blissful and like more than that, just the entire experience of reality was so much deeper and fuller. And that's what I want. Like, that's what I'm still, I'm excited about. And what I want to know is like, what is, what is the world going to be like? Is it like the planet earth? Our experience changes. Is it our consciousness changes so that we have access to different realms? Right? Like I just, I don't know. I don't know if I have a question there, but it was a really cool experience is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'll hop in and just mirror that what you're experiencing is a universal remembering of where we're returning to. 
where we're coming back into this alignment of consciousness with Solon. I hear our son's name is Solon, and I think that is true. So, And our son is conscious. It's awake. It's alive. It has source energy coming through it. And so as we awaken a line to this consciousness and we realize that we're connected to it, we can talk to it, we stop and we realize, here's the thing, is that this connection is what causes scarcity consciousness, is what causes competition, is what causes wars. Is what, it's like this thing of separation. Once we realize that we're all source, separation becomes so ridiculous because it's like the ultimate illusion. And that was the thing like in my awakening process, I was like, okay, well, either I'm experiencing either oneness and this is real or that out there is real. And that out there doesn't even match up to quantum physics because out there says separation is true. Quantum physics says separation is an illusion. So I'm experiencing the reality of quantum physics of oneness with all of these beings having this conversation, your experience, the same thing. It's the same thing. And we're just bringing back that content to our tribe because it's our duty you know we're kind of like little shaman in our ways not to take appropriate that language but like going off onto a journey and bringing the information back is part of what a shaman or a tribal leader does yeah i i totally agree are you familiar with matthias de stefano's work i love that man he was the opener yeah. i was oh, yeah that's right, of course yeah yeah his yeah. pants his pants i was like oh mercy son you know what you're doing but but yeah, I mean, I've heard him talk about like this idea of the field of belief and the idea of collective consciousness. And it's like when the collective doesn't believe in these things and doesn't believe that there is, you know, more to this universe than a bunch of slightly evolved apes destroying the planet, right? Then then we all have more access to it. But, you know, and that's part of why the suppression of the power structure today has been so effective is because they've just forced us into this propagandized version of reality that says we are alone, that the universe is meaningless that consciousness is random and you know who cares let's just make as much money as we can until we die yeah it's just and i think that because gaia is waking up like our planetary body she's going through her ascension process because again she's part of source like her body came from a star everything comes from stars we are all star creatures we're star beings we're all and in the star matter we are star consciousness as well and the rest of it outside of the 3d realm is awake those stars are awake and talking and having lives we think you think they're not they are and so in this density we go oh they're pretty stars they put off gas and light and we don't understand that our bodies are made from stardust we are star beings our consciousness comes from the stars like there's this disconnect. And I think that now as we are, there's so many different information funnels out there about us coming back into a different part of the universe where we're going through a different wave, a different phase, all the stuff. of, And also the universe kind of slowly collapsing back in on itself because God's remembering itself. God is remembering. We are members of the oneness. And so with that, it's like, all of the, that which isn't, it's like the DMT experience. All of that which isn't true, just you see it for what it is, is. It can't exist. In this vibration of the oneness as it wakes up within the body of Earth and within our physical bodies as the extensions of Earth, our bodies are extensions of the planet. We don't exist without the, you know, without the planet. This is where our bodies come from. Like when she wakes up, we have to either wake up or double down in fear. And that's what you see now in the duality pull. 
Yeah, it's a crazy, I like that word, duality pole. Very, I mean, it's a very apt way to describe it, I think, right? It's people either, you know, and I think that's also just part of human nature, but it's like once you've made up your it's mind. A, it's the de-evolved part, though. That's it's, true. It's that's part, a good point. It's not our natural state. You're I right. Think the star kids who are coming in now that are all just empathic and just like cannot handle your bullshit energy and need you to calm down before you even walk into the room. That's who we are. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're, that's such a great point. And then you think about, you know, you're talking about cannabis earlier and talking about psychedelics, like surprise, those drugs that help you connect with, you know, your higher states of consciousness are the ones that are brutally suppressed. Meanwhile, alcohol Lo and behold, dumps you down, just is, you know, thrown at you everywhere all the time. A hundred percent. Frogs. Where does toad medicine come from? Toads. It comes from their, you know, glands. Cambo frog. It's like these animals, these plants, it's all around us. It's natural. Mushrooms. What are you talking about? It grows out of the earth. How can something <laughs> that grows out of the earth be illegal? That is right. or, or stupid. A compound that our brain makes naturally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Like cannabinoids, they're in your brain. Yeah. Stop bothering me. <laughs> like with this conversation about, you know, like, yes, there is a thing of addiction, but all addiction stems from disconnection from source, disconnection from yourself. That's where addiction stems from. You know, like if cannabis can walk you back into, you know, loving yourself or DMT or any of that is, is something that reconnects you and it doesn't become something that hinders your life, but it makes your life more rich then I think we're done. I think the conversation's done. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it, you know, really picks up steam. I know cannabis, it's making moves at the state by state level, but, you know, federal still haven't seen any real reform. So it's frustrating. And the thing that scares me for both substances, right, is that, not scares me, I don't want to, I don't want to put it from a fear perspective, but just what I'm anticipating is a possible outcome is that, you know, the regulators, adjust the laws in such a way that legalization really only helps big pharma and not the patients. So I think that's just something we all got to be pretty vigilant about. And, and I'd say be vigilant about your consciousness because you did, you know, you kind of, you, you played your card and said, I'm afraid. And there's nothing wrong with that. Be acknowledging that there is a narrative going on that things could go that way and anchor in what you want to have happen and that's where you would ask your guidance and say hey guidance this is really bothering me is there anything that i can do to make a better impact so i can feel like at least i've done i've written my sentence i put a period i made an exclamation point and i'm standing in a space now so i'm anchored in making sure that the highest good happens is there anything i can do and so it takes you out of receiving the experience and puts you into an active role of like and your guidance might say you know just talk about it on your show. Your guidance might say, meditate on it and see beautiful things happening. Your guidance might say all kinds of things. It might say, call somebody. You guys could have a show and talk about X, Y, Z. So don't go into, well, I can't do anything. I just have to wait. Be the frequency and ask how to be the frequency if you're not sure how. And the answers will come to you. I want to say also, because I'm in Omaha, right? And I was like, oh, because I'm coming from cannabis-rich Colorado, right? I can get oh, yeah. organic cannabis. Really? I can just like rub it on my face. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and you know, and here I am like, oh, it's the Midwest. But lo and behold, you can get like these cannabis products that are 
it's like the straight cannabis, the flower is very low. It's like we're like three percent, or if maybe like something like that. But they, there's this guy, and so this is where I'm shopping. So I want, I want to say shout out to Best Buds in La Vista, La Vista, Nebraska. Because he, he really did set me up well. He was very generous. But he's able to get me a cannabis. Even though the cannabis is low, they're able to put like a liquid on it. So it raises it up to like 26% THC. So there's some, so there's some psychotrope, how do you say it? Psychoactive properties, however you say that. So it's like, oh, so even like I've even been blessed with that. Like to get here and be like... There is a resource. Like, I'm not just going to be without my, you know, my medicine. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great, man. Awesome. Well, Cat, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a blast catching up with you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a delight. And you've asked me questions that no one's asked me before. So thank you, sir. It's, I'm honored. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if folks want to learn more about you in Third Eye Salon, where should they go? Well, go to the tubes of you and type in third eye salon and that's three RD. So three, three RD and we have a Facebook group, but if you go to our, if you go to our YouTube page, that's where you're going to see all of our links for like our Facebook group and Instagram and shizzle like that. So that's the best place to go. Our website is needs updated. It's there. It's functional, but it needs updated. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll put links in the show notes for all those. Catman, thanks again and enjoy your new life in Omaha, your new old life. <laughs> Renewed. Thank you, sir. I love it. Bye. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. In this conversation, Catman and I discussed the process of forgiveness. Not just forgiveness of those we perceive to have wronged us, but also forgiveness of ourselves. As Nelson Mandela was known to have said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Too often that resentment gets directed internally, and we end up overdosing in the stories we tell ourselves, our limiting self-beliefs. As I think about the process of reawakening, of remembering the source consciousness enfolded within all of us, I believe it's intrinsically tied to the process of forgiveness. Because when we recognize that we are all manifestations of divinity, that we are all fields of infinite possibility, what is there to be upset about anyway? When we recognize the eternality of the soul, we can remember that life is meant to be an experience. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's meant to be felt, to be lived. What comes after this life, I cannot say, but I'm pretty sure it's something. So loosen up already. Forgive yourself forgive others, move on, and be happy. That's what reawakening is all about. That life is meant to be bliss. It's not meant to be suffering. That this cosmos is worthy of worship and wondering reverence. That you could never be lost because you're always home. You're always home. I've been on the road, I've been doing shows Now we in steak, remember sleeping on the floor Stealing at the gas station when the time's cold In the kitchen, hostel, trying to flip it off the stove Rocking fake J's, praying that nobody knows Watch them take my dog away, it was way too hard to stay composed Fight to see the light of day, all this blood on my clothes I was tired every day, green light, it's time to go I don't wanna live life fast or die too young Die too young Hundred miles per hour, I might crash cause a good die young Yeah, a good die young Push it to the limit, I can't
Diamond in the rough, I don't know what it is they see in me Go down as a legend in my city, cause we beat the streets Trying to spread the wealth around the block, no I can't keep from me Told me I should leave, I see the bigger picture and it's way bigger than me Can't be living like a king, but my people need to eat If I got it, then you got it, we gon' get back on our feet And I put it on me I don't wanna live life fast or die too young Or die too young Hundred miles per hour, might crash, cause good die young But here I come Push it to the limit, I can't go no more Red light, no way I'm coming back home Long dirt road all on my own I'ma be the greatest, draw my name in the stone Draw my name in the stone Yeah, I'm coming back home Yeah, I'm coming back home Draw my name in the stone Cause I'm coming back home Push it to the limit, I can't go no more Red light, no way I'm